If you're in construction, then you're in the right place. Welcome to the Constructed Behaviors Podcast. I'm your host, Barb Allen. I'm a woman with decades of experience in the construction industry, and most of it on the job site. I know how rewarding this industry can be, but like you, I also know that we could improve. Let's work together to make changes from the inside out. days out of the week, do you feel like you're drinking from a fire hose? Do you find it overwhelming? Or for you, is it satisfying? There have been weeks and even months that I have felt like I was drinking from a fire hose. And although at times it did feel overwhelming, I'm a person that thrives on that rush. So when I first saw the quote, drinking from a fire hose is an art, from today's guest, Corey Fisk, I told totally related, and I bet many of you will as well. Corey is not only a woman in construction, but she is also the owner of multiple construction companies and an intentional construction management educator. I use the word intentional because I feel like all of us are construction management educators, whether it's to our teams or to people that we have specifically chosen to mentor, but Corey has actually developed an online construction management program to better our industry. So a big welcome to Corey Fisk for today's show. Hi, Corey. Hello. Thank you so much for having me today. I just want to go back to your fire hose as an art, drinking from a fire hose as an art, and just explain for a second what that art is, because those of you in construction will absolutely get this. And this is why I love construction management so much is because it applies to our life and life mastery. And we're able to align all of that with construction. But when you're drinking from a fire hose, there's water that's going by you. There's absolutely no way you could ever catch it. It's the same thing as information. Your mind is only going to take in what you are prepared for and what you can accept. And so that starts clinging to that foundational base that you have. But all that water that passes you, all that information that passes you, goes down into the ground, filters, goes into the aqueduct, finds its way back into the water system and goes right back out the fire hydrant again. So it will come back to you. The stress of feeling like you're going to never learn it or that you may lose this information actually blocks and resists you from being able to retain that information. So being free flowing and allowing water to go by you and taking in what you're ready to absorb is going to help you achieve your educational goals even faster. And as I was working the summers as a laborer, getting ready for school, excited about going to work at my dream job of the American Quarter Horse Association, I would make really good money during the summers and I would make that really good money working as a laborer. I did start as a flag girl the first year, but it was hard. I mean, standing on 120 degree pavement at your back, your feet, everything, I decided I'd rather be working all day long and busting my ass than standing in one place. And so that's what I did. And it was absolutely amazing. I actually... 
uh, was on a full ride scholarship to Texas A&M. And so I couldn't work during the school year because I had to practice and, and focus for my scholarship. And so working those summers, I could make five to $7,000 that helped me really well to, um, during the school year. But as I was doing it, I was thinking, thank God I'm going to school. I'm not going to be stuck out here working my ass off like this every single day in this heat. Um, I was I, I was motivated to go back to school every September. And so and and I wasn't a great student in high school. I I really was focused on sports and, you know, extracurricular activities. And I was in a really small school. So everything was pretty easy. But when I went to college, it, it was tough. I, I didn't know if I was going to make it through some of the courses. And so um, having that extra incentive of knowing that I didn't want to be a laborer always helped me come the fall. So um, what was your degree that you were chasing? And did you end up getting that degree? Yeah, so I got a degree in animal science which um, people laugh because I tell them that it actually is domesticated animals, which is quite different than those out on the job site. <laughs> and so it is a much uh, fitting degree for me to have, but it was something, again, that was a dream forever of going and working in the equine industry. I still raise horses and compete barrel racing. And so just being around horses is just something that I've always loved and always wanted. And so that's what was driving me to complete my college education. Well, and what I read about you is that it was a fellow Aggie alum that was working in construction that brought you into the industry as a career. So I'm curious, one, was that fellow Aggie, what, were they from the construction management program there? What were they doing? Were they male or female? Like, tell us more about the person who brought you into the industry as a career. Well, I I would have to give that full credit to my dad, who um, I used to work for a lot during the summers and I always used to think it was because, well, he just wanted to keep an eye on me and keep me close while I was on the construction site, but he was a 140 G blade operator. So he did a lot of road construction. And when I was working as a laborer on the prison project that I was working on high Sierra desert prison, uh, he went into the construction management office wearing his Texas A&M jacket that I had bought him from him going to my graduation. And he walked in and was trying to hustle work. And as he was, the senior project manager asked him, where did you get that jacket? And he, he proudly said, well, my daughter just graduated from there. And he said, I also graduated from Texas A&M, which, by the way, is the number one at the time, number one construction management school in the United States, which I had no idea while I was going there. And so it just comes full circle that I'm actually in construction management, graduated from Texas A&M, even though I have an animal science degree. And so Curtis Allen is probably um, close to 
58, 60 years old, and he spent the next four days driving around the jobs looking for this graduate who was working as a laborer in eight foot of snow, three foot of mud. And he found me and he said, I don't care what your education is. We're fellow alumni. You don't need to be out here. I know that you're capable. I'll give you a job in the office for a dollar less than what you're making out here. And I jumped at the opportunity. I had been for two years um, a grade all operator and working in mud and snow and working as a laborer, stripping, um, you know, doing carpentry duties. And it was miserable. And it was also very um, almost demoralizing in a sense. I'd been out there for two years with over 400 men. There was about four or five other women that were on the job site. And it was getting to the point where we were having to get uh, separate blue rooms out there, which now is almost, uh, I think they're working on a law that women get to have their own bathroom. But I literally would have to walk into a black ink pen mess of disgusting pictures and uh, a lot of them having my name on them or what have you. And so it was it was starting to wear on me after being out there for a couple of years. And so I jumped at the opportunity to go into the office and then I worked underneath a, an assistant construction manager who taught me what I needed to know. And then the project started to close down. And so as each project was going through punch list, then they would let go of that assistant construction manager and move me into that bid package and I would close down the project. And I did that for about eight months. But during that time, uh, Curtis Allen actually had a brain tumor and he had to take care of that. And I was literally by myself with about five DSA inspectors um, there to help support me and guide me. I was 24 years old. <laughs> I mean, I, I barely knew how to read drawings, right? I had just learned how to since I went into the office. No one ever showed me a set of drawings when I was out on the job site. And uh, so it was a, it was learning by fire hose for sure. But um, it was an absolutely amazing opportunity. And you when you are thrown in those kind of positions, you really do excel more than you ever think you could possibly yourself. So it's um, it's exciting to be faced with those challenges. I want to take a, a, a hard right for a minute. I want to talk about the blue room. I don't want to go into it too much, but. Um, we call them Johnny's in Kansas City. Um, but when you talk about the toilets and the writing on the wall, something that I would like the listeners to understand is, um, for me, when I came out of college and they, you know, I was, I was chosen and took a position where they were going to train me to be a superintendent. I was the first female Jade on hired out of college to train to be a superintendent. And I rarely saw anything written about me on the walls. And I don't know that I really realized how much what had been, because what had happened on my job site is that my superintendent um, made sure that as soon as there was writing on the wall about me, the labor foreman was tasked to send someone into the toilet with a grinder and grind it off the walls. And that was amazing. And I think that, um, yes, 
the writing on the wall should stop. But until it does, having someone in leadership that recognizes the complete bullshit that that is and tries to take care of it. That was that was fantastic. And I think for me, when I realized how much it actually was, it was when I I had been off the job for a while and I come back, I'd been gone a couple of weeks and I came back to the job for something and I walked into a toilet and I saw so much stuff about me and I'm like, oh my gosh, all of this, like all of that they had been hiding from me by, by grinding it off. And I just think that was such a great leadership move for my superintendent to do. And I just hope that that message is out there that people start doing that um, until the writing stops, at least they can make it disappear. So sorry for the hard write. I just felt like I really wanted to address that. Tell us about how you went from working for companies to starting your own. Your first company, I believe, was saw cutting, demolition. How long were you actually in the industry before you started your own? And what made you go out and just bite the bullet and do it? Yeah, well, the the very first company that I had was Thomas Construction Company, and I have a Class A general engineering contractor's license. And the reason why I did it was because my dad, he always wanted to be an entrepreneur, but he wasn't a very good businessman, but he was a very hard worker and he would hustle work all of the time. But then he had trouble getting paid for it because he didn't have a contractor's license. He didn't have... Um, a business really set up. And so I I got tired of seeing him struggle trying to get ahead, but not wanting to do this other part because he wasn't ever good at school or he didn't think he was smart enough to take the test, which is all untrue. My dad was absolutely an amazing man who could have done all of that had he had the uh, encouragement from adults in his life that he could finish school or go through that. And so I got my license so that my dad could be protected. And the difficulty in that is working with your dad and working with your family. And so there were literally when I had to make him sign a contract because he would go off and do the same things that he always did. He would do it on a handshake and start doing work without having signed time and material sheets and things that I would be able to use for um, backup in order to be able to go after the extra money that he deserved for these handshake deals that he did on the side. And so that's really why I did. I didn't have a heart for it. I didn't want to go out and run a big construction business and tell a bunch of men what to do and, you know, that be my life. And I was focused on rodeo and horses and, you know, being able to live that life with my animals that I wanted to, to live. So it sounds like you were spending a lot of time dabbling into, okay, I'm doing construction here and I'm doing some construction here, but you still in your head were animal sciences, equine headed. Like at what point did you finally register in your head that, oh, construction is the career that I have officially chosen. This is what I want to do for my career. You know, this is a great question because I think that in a lot of ways, 
none of us really choose the direction we're going. We just start following the track that has the most available open door. And those open door opportunities start to where we are today. And although there is a reason for that path and the way that that path is meant, it is more of a reactionary instead of a a response of what we want to do and how we intentionally want to design our path in order to move towards a specific goal. So definitely reflecting on my life of understanding that I could have stood back and planned specifically identified mentors and put those mentors in place that would have identified milestones of what I needed to do to get where I wanted to be faster. That's not how my path was meant to be. And so I definitely took the long road. But when I was getting into um, just really the critical thinking and the problem solving and being able to um, really identify my, my skills of genius, which was organization and management and note taking and the type of detail that I take, it was easy for me. It was really easy. And so it made it fun. And, and then, you know, I've always been a Tom boy. So jarring with the guys out in the field or, you know, having that communication and, and just collaboration with them was, um, was great. I loved it. I, I loved everything about it. And so um, my dad, of course, was very proud that I was following in his footsteps. And yeah. so we were able to always talk and banter back and forth about the different uh, perspectives because his was from an equipment operator and mine was from a management standpoint. And so I was able to learn a lot in that uh, in that focus of it as well. But when I moved into actually getting my own Class A general engineering contractor license, and and doing that to provide protections for my dad, I, I found that there was uh, resistance there that it wasn't quite my thing. It's not really what I wanted to do. I was just doing that to to protect my dad. And yeah. so when construction management just really, really got into my blood is when oh. I went to work for Fleur Daniel and I had my own bid package and it it wasn't them trying to set me up for failure, but they definitely did not think that I was going to be able to uh, to become what what I was able to. Well, I'm sorry. When I went to work for Fleur Daniel was when it really became obvious to me what construction management was about and how impactful I could be in that position. And so that's when I really started focusing on knowing that I was going to be seeking additional construction management positions after I left Fleur Daniel. And so that's it was just really exciting. It's just a very exciting industry and it pays well. I mean, that just happens to be an extra perk that I didn't know came along with it, you know? Yeah, you're right. And I remember, I remember the moment that I found out that it paid well. I was in college and I was, um, I think I was a junior. So it was probably my first year in the construction management program. And there were a group of guys that we would go play, I think it was racquetball or volleyball or something anyway, at those indoor courts. And we were sitting outside on a break and a couple of the guys were graduating that semester. And one of them says, and granted to the listeners, this was 1996. Um, but one of them says, 
oh, I won't take a job for less than $35,000. And I was like, are you kidding me? No one is going to pay us $35,000. My mom had been a teacher for over 20 years at that point and was only making that kind of money. I thought that was insane. And I graduated the next year and I started at $34,500. And by the time I was 27, I was bringing home six figures. I had no idea there was money in it. I just knew I wanted to do it. So like you said, it is a completely added perk. Yeah, absolutely. And I experienced the same thing. My mom was a school teacher too. And within three years of working as a construction manager, I was making more than she was. And it was it was one of those things, but I'll tell you, it's also one of those things that now that I am a teacher, it's very disheartening to be able to bring people from the field into the educational platform and recognize that you're giving up a third of your salary or potential salary by moving into education. And um, that part of it has never set well with me, which is why I've always had a second full-time job, um, either working as a facility director or working as a private consultant um, construction manager. But those experiences also brought tremendous benefit into my classroom for my students and being able to come off of a job that day and go into the classroom and just be like, oh my God, you can't believe this superintendent. We went through this and this and this at the meeting. And let me tell you, this is how you're supposed to put a change order together and then go through the whole process with them. And so it was nice to have the real life experiences to be able to pull into the classroom. Watching this through the 16 years or so that I was enjoying teaching, I was I was feeling as though my students really weren't as prepared as they wanted them to be when they went out into the field. And I didn't have enough time to be able to make that happen. You know, I was able to bring stories in to kind of explain to them what they should be prepared for and what was going to happen, but it wasn't something that I could teach. And so When COVID came along, it really gave me an opportunity to be able to build out my construction management online, which gave me an opportunity to be able to do deep research about our learning styles and why people go into construction at an early age and then want to come out and be construction managers instead of going straight into college to become a construction manager. It allowed me to be able to research behavior comprehension, soft skill development, and then be able to build an educational platform that's based off of generational storytelling, where I can provide educational information in a fun way that resonates deeply with others that are already experiencing the things that I've experienced because I've been a laborer, I've been an equipment operator, I've been a facility director, a facilitator, a project manager, a construction manager, an executive director. I've been in all of these different positions. So when I'm telling you stories that have happened, these are real things and these are real opportunities and scenarios for us to be able to learn from so that when the students go into the field, then they have an understanding of what's going to be expected of them. And through CM, CMO or Construction Management Online, I'm I'm a mentor to those students. I mean, we develop relationships. So now they have someone in their back pocket that can help support their education as they grow, as they're working. Because to just stop and go to college and then you know pick up and then go to work 
it it's a disruptive uh, it's 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 a disruption that doesn't need to happen. We can actually be working and learning at the same time, but not have it be so impactful because you're learning things that are in alignment with what you're doing every day. So not only do you learn faster, but you ha- you retain more. So it's not like you're working all day and then having to go to some chemistry course at the end of the day that you're tired and don't want to do it. You're working and then you're doing something that you might be able to apply tomorrow. Or when you're in the middle of an argument or conversation with someone tomorrow, it's going to spark your your mind of what you learned yesterday. And you're going to be able to take a deep breath and have some emotional intelligence, you know, swarm over you and have the perfect words to be able to calm that situation and have effective communication with your team. So that's. It is. It has just brought a completely different passion and purpose and love to my work, and I'm just really excited to be able to offer it um, not only to companies but to individuals. When you're out on the job site, your mind is working in a physical capacity of problem solving, uh, critical thinking, innovative problem solving, and you know creative ways to be able to take care of things. When you're working as an office manager, it's an intellectual articulation of meeting minutes and letter correspondence and um, daily reports and estimates and schedules. And, you know, it's a different use of our brain. And so they're both hard, but the transition and the acceptance of what that transition, the work that's going to take to make that transition is where the mindset really needs to be when we're moving people that are wanting to go from the site and take their tool bills off into the construction management side. Well, and I think that it's also really good timing post post COVID for your construction management online program, because what I'm noticing as a consultant, um, when I'm going into companies, they are, everyone's needing to most everyone is needing to hire, right? There aren't enough people. And so their people are already overworked and they're hiring and they don't have time to train them. They want them to come in and already know how to do their jobs or they're able to just give them little nibbles that maybe help them. But these companies are losing money because they don't have the time. The managers don't have the capacity to train them the way they need to be trained so that the company actually does make money from the employees that they hired. They need more than warm bodies to manage projects. They need warm bodies that know how to manage projects. So I think your program is really filling and will continue to fill that gap that we have, um, helping with the education and really helping people, especially moving from the field to the office. And I know for me, uh, when I went to my manager and said, hey, I am 19 years in the field, I want to move to the office. And they're like, no superintendent has ever requested to go into pre-construction. Are you crazy? And I'm like, maybe a little, but it's time for me to learn the other side of the business. And it was I mean, this was a company that was over 75 years old, a very successful company. And I'm the first superintendent who had asked to do something like that. And I think what you're offering is is 
is fantastic for companies and for individuals because I think more and more people are going to start considering transitioning. It is hard. Um, it's hard on your body. It's hard on your home life. It, the being in the field um, is it's a lot, um, but it's a lot of awesomeness too. I mean, I wouldn't trade those 19 years. I loved being in the field. I just couldn't imagine doing it for another 19. It was time to make a shift and and your program really offers that. So I am super grateful that you have created something like this. And I can't wait for the listeners to hear and to get it out there. Um, we will have in the show notes, there will be links to everything that you provided so that people can get a hold of you and find your program. Uh, is there anything else you want to say before we wrap up? Well, just just one last point, and And that is that you know, we are losing our workforce and we're losing a lot of them because of the silver tsunami and, you know, everybody's retiring. So there are a lot of really great opportunities for people in other disciplines to move over into the construction industry and the construction trades. And that's why I like to liken my program to a life mastery aligned with construction mastery, because the skills that we do do use in life are the same skills needed to manage a project. If you can manage your life, you can manage a project. You just have to know how to break it down and you need to know the terminology and be able to align it correctly. And so there are a lot of opportunities in construction for those that are already in construction and have amazing hands-on experience, but there's also a lot of opportunity for business-minded people who are ready to make a change to a really exciting industry. It is, and I, I can't wait to use that phrase again. If you can manage your life, you can manage construction. I think that's fantastic. Thank you so much for joining us for this episode. I can't wait for more people to learn about your program. Thank you very much. If you know someone that could benefit from this particular episode, then share it with them. Or if you want to continue to learn about the untapped and underutilized resources that will take your business to the next level, then follow the podcast. You don't want to miss an episode where we discuss what you needed to hear. And lastly, there is a link in the show notes that will allow you to reach out to me directly if you want to accelerate that learning curve. Thanks for listening. Talk soon.